Hello all and welcome to the Kindred Spirits Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast. My name is Chris Hayden. I'm the pastor of Kindred UMC and this week we have a very special guest. I say that every week but it's always true. Uh, this is Jordan Syatt who is a fitness expert and weight loss expert and uh, has his uh, business mostly online these days and uh, we are glad to have him. Uh, if, if you would like to check him out, his uh, information and links will be down in the description below. As always, like, share, subscribe. You can email us at kindredumc at gmail.com if you have any questions or would like to be a guest. With no further ado, away we go. Jordan Syatt, welcome oh, to the Kindred oh. Spirits Enneagram podcast. I am much. so excited. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm excited as well. This will be fun. Courtney's so, been quite a fan. Yes. Anyone who knows me at all, even a little bit, that listens to this podcast knows that I am obsessed with Jordan's fitness program, The Inner Circle. So if you don't know anything about it, you should go look into it. Um, so I am ecstatic to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really excited. This is going to be fun. Uh, so just, I'm, I'm pretty sure I will have already said this in the intro, but uh, links to Jordan's Instagram and website will be in the bottom. So uh, if you're interested in losing weight, getting in shape, uh, it, Jordan's an excellent guide and, and will bring you lots and lots of help. So please check out his stuff if, you, if you're interested in that. Uh, what is your experience with the Enneagram? It is uh, less than 24 hours of experience. Perfect. Uh, my, That's what we my like. Cat, she was like, hey, so you've got to get this before the, that podcast. So I did it at the airport. I did the test yesterday at the airport. And, uh, and then I, I shared my results on my Instagram. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it, seemed, it was funny because I, I don't know all the different types or anything like that. Um, I, I've done okay, me that. neither. Someone, no, I'm joking. Lot, people were like, people were like, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, you're definitely a three, definitely a three. And then several people were like, oh, I would have pegged you as an eight. So I don't really know what that means. But like the, a lot of people were like, yeah, three makes sense. And I've done uh, the Myers-Briggs uh, stuff. Like I've done like the other types of personality, but I've never done the Enneagram until yesterday. So it seemed pretty cool. So I'm, I, I think I'm like, a, I have it pulled up on my phone. I think it said I'm a three and then a three wing two is what it's called. Uh, that, that adds up. Yeah. Does that add up? That makes sense. That adds up. Um, so before we talk about to me, yeah. So before we talk about types, maybe we should talk about, uh, kind of the fundamental, the similarities and the differences between Enneagram and, and other things like Myers Briggs or you ever done like disc personality tests and that kind of a thing. Okay. Um, yep. So one is that uh, Enneagram is is older than that. It's it's okay. kind of it's been around since before the scientific method. Oh, wow. so it's okay. a little it's a little more like uh, spirituality based. A lot of um, mystic Christianity uses it uh, throughout history. So like okay. like Eastern Orthodox kind of uh, idea, that kind of thing. So it's a little more like. Uh, it's a little more like that. Um, uh, and only now recently have, uh, actual like legitimate certified psychologists been actually doing studies about it. And, and so far the research is coming in pretty great, but there's just not a lot out, out there about it. Um, 
and uh, and I'll I'll let Courtney talk about motivation. Yeah. Personality tests like the uh, Myers Briggs personality, DISC personality, any of those, those are all going to be predominantly personality based tests. So they're all about what you do. Thing that makes the Enneagram different is it's all about why you do what you do. So it is a personality assessment. However, it's rooted in motivation. So the test itself is actually only 50% accurate because we have ways to test for personality, but not necessarily to test for motivation. Mm, also, a lot of a lot of Enneagram deals with subconscious motivation. So you may yeah. not be aware, uh, like, and what you being the global you, uh, we may not be aware of what's actually causing us to do the things we're doing. And so that's kind of why some of it's like fifty fifty because it's it's hard to ask a question like, hey, how how do you feel when you uh, get in a fight with your spouse? You know, like right, right, those right. are hard questions to really know the answer to. So, but that's, that's more where the Enneagram kind of thrives is it's in those, like, why are you doing what you're doing and how does that then shape the the type of personality you have? Awesome. I love that. That's very cool. So, uh, normally I do a big spiel, but you've already revealed to the world. So I guess, I guess you are ready to reveal to the world your (laughs) type, which you said was a, a three wing two. Yeah, I don't know if that was the correct way to phrase it. Like it said, I'm a, a type three, and then I, I actually sent it to to Cat. I have a screenshot. It was, this is what it what it gave me. Perfect. So a three two social that makes sense. I can see that. So what's so Courtney? What's a type three? So I'm gonna say a bunch of things, um, and how we usually go about this is. We just tell our guests, you know, our whole platform is to give people the opportunity to share about who they are, where they come from, their stories. So I'm going to rattle off a bunch of shit, listen for things you identify with, balk at, question, things that connect your story to what I'm going to say, because that's ultimately what we're here to talk about is you and who you are and all of that. So type three is the achiever. So the core motivation of a type three is to be successful and valuable. Now, something that doesn't often get talked about within the Enneagram community with type threes is it's not just being successful and valuable. It's also being seen as successful and valuable. Mm. So um, threes, social threes in particular, tend to be um, teachers, tend to be people that like use their platforms to make a difference, that want to just show people how to be, how to connect, how to get involved. And in turn, that often elevates their ability to be successful, to be valuable, to be admired. Um, have you ever, or, Jordan, have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever like used a platform <laughs> to teach? And, no? <laughs> a little bit. I've dabbled here. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure we're on the right course is all. <laughs> the core fear of a type three is that idea of being worthless or unsuccessful. So a trap that type threes tend to fall into is they place their self-worth and who they are in what they do. So they tend to like decide whether or not they are worthy and competent based on how they're performing, what they're doing, what they bring to the conversation. When those are really two separate things, because who you are is not necessarily what you do, it's just a part of. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of like the basic core motivation, core fear. Um, we can get into some other personality aspects, but like I said, motivation is kind of where it starts. So that's 
that's, we've, that's a three in essence. Yeah, we've we've been having a uh, we've been trying to get to the bottom of like what's the best way to actually help somebody diagnose their type accurately. You know, because yeah. you know, taking online tests is kind of like eh, it's if it's iffy. And so right. the the thing that we've kind of been taught. In fact, we just recorded a podcast. I'm not sure exactly what our release schedule is going to be on it, but we just recorded one where we talked about. And I think I think we've arrived at a consensus that probably the best place to start for your type is I I think the best place to type start is is your um, core fear, mm-hmm. and then from there to move to your motivation. So how do you relate to the like those kind of core fear core motivation? That, like does that make sense to you, or are you kind of going eh, I'm not sure. Where are you? Yeah, sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, in some senses, yeah, it makes it. So uh, I'll say like from what I, I read about it and from what you said, and if I say anything that's incorrect, tell me. Like, hey, uh, Just like say, oh, no, that's actually not accurate. But from what you said and from what I read, I took one of the biggest fears is is not being seen as successful, right? It's like the how other people perceive. Um, you know, I feel like that is not accurate for me um i don't give a shit about like i don't all my clothes are hand-me-downs or like gifted to me like i've worn most of my clothes since high school uh i don't buy any fancy cars like and i don't know if this has to be that way uh but that's where my mind went where i was like being seen as successful like i could live in a box like i i I don't really care about that stuff um and it's funny, like my one of my ex girlfriend used to get really mad because uh, when she would introduce me to her family, she would she would introduce me and she'd say like this is Jordan and like uh, he like runs his own business and I'd just be like I'm just a personal trainer, like it's, and like I wouldn't I don't I don't all like follow me any of that stuff like I I've never really cared about. Like, I don't wear watches, any of that stuff. And I, I might be thinking too, I might be reducing this too much. Like, that might be, like, not all, not, like, basically what I'm saying is a lot of materialistic stuff. Um, so I'm, there might be other aspects to it that I'm missing. Um, my biggest fear is, and this is where it might be related, is losing everything I've built, Right, so it's like everything I've taken so much time to build uh, and to be able to provide for my family. Like I, I provide for my mom. I provide for like for for a number of people. Uh, the idea of losing that is very scary to me. Uh, so that is definitely a bigger fear than how people see me, if that makes sense. But the idea of losing everything is, is very uh, petrifying. Um, so you said losing and, and as you were talking about losing everything, you talked a lot about providing for other people. Mm, Are yep. those like intimately connected? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, and I consider myself very lucky and blessed to be able to do this, but the only reason my mom doesn't have to work is because I provide for her. Uh, so the, like the idea of her being like, in a, in a very difficult situation without me being able to provide for her, that is like w- one aspect of the fear there. So um, again, like I think I, I'm very lucky in that if I, I could sleep in a cardboard box on the beach and I'd be fine. Like that, like that is like, I've always been that way, but I want my mom to be comfortable and I want my wife to be comfortable and I want to give my kids uh, 
not everything they want, but I want to give them everything they need. Um, so like the idea of losing that ability is definitely very, very scary. So it, well, here's what it, here's this is, you know, I'm riffing here. Uh, here's one of the things I, cause I, that still feels achievery to me, but I, I wonder if that's the social, uh, subtype. rather than you being seen as successful, what what you really want is for the peop your family and your social group that's how you're measuring achievement is whether or not they are being taken care of and they are like there's still yes. something achievery in that that's like i i want to make sure that they are thriving you know yes yeah, a yeah, different yeah. thing to offer i think that sounds more like a social eight than a social three and a social eight is a counter type. Mm, okay. Is, is the thing I have to offer to the conversation. Um, so like we said, tests only 50% accurate. So it's all about why yep. you do what you do. So the core motivation of a type eight is um, to be, is power and control. And that's not necessarily like in a malicious way so much as it can be interpreted in that providing, like I want to provide, I want to take care of, I want to like, I want to use my voice kind of way. Type yep. 8s are also one to um, fight for the underdog. They will flip the table mm -hmm. if they sense somebody being taken advantage of, less yeah. than, not not taken care of. That um, sounds very similar to me, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now um, we're so on to something. Where mom, this gets... My, yeah, yeah. Sorry, keep No, going. no, no, go ahead. No, you go. You go ahead. My mom laughs because... Uh, She'll, she always tells stories of when I was a kid of how, like, I was very big on, on fairness and I didn't like if something wasn't fair um, and how, like, I was very lucky, like, very athletic and I, I wrestled and all this stuff. And um, any time I saw, like, where someone was getting picked on in the, in the playground or whatever, like, pff, I'd run right over and, like, it was, like, I was always, like, I don't, if it's not fair... I didn't like it and so that <laughs> that like makes a lot of sense and like uh i remember my my brother one he was getting picked on and i punched the kid in the face and my, that like is a whole it was a whole big thing but yeah so like i'm i'm very much like i try and i think that very much resonates with with how i act and and how why i do certain things so i'm a i'm a type one which is the reformer or some people say the moral perfectionist but I'm also a counter type and like I often I counter type as I get mistaken for a type eight. I just identified with a lot of the things you said, mm. like the things that that keep me up at night are like unfairness. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I don't I don't think we're the same type, uh, you know, uh, but I but we but I counter type as you. You know, Got it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, 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 I'm the same way. Like I'm the person who will, uh, I'll, I'll be the turd in the punch bowl. If somebody said something that's horrible, yeah. I'll be yeah. the one that's like, we're not going to, no, we're not going to pretend that didn't happen. Correct. Like, right. let's talk about it. And yeah. another core fear for type eights as well is this idea of betrayal. Um, so type eights oh, tend yeah. to have a hard time with like being more vulnerable or more expressive of their emotions because they're afraid of getting betrayed in the long run. Um, so once they open up to you that they, they, a type eight, I always joke, a type eight is someone you want in your corner because 
if you have a type eight in your corner, they're going to defend you for life. They're going to stick up for you. They're going to be very protective of you. But also like they have, a, they are very hard to get to open up to. Um, mm. Now, if you are a social type eight, that would mean you would actually be a counter type. Okay. So basically there are these things in the Enneagram called subtypes. And so you have your relationship with yourself and your own like personal health. You have your social network or your tribe or your intimate one-to-one closest friendships, all of that. Because these exist, countertypes exist, meaning that you can have the motivation of one number, but take on the personality of another. Mm. So you might not necessarily look like a typical eight. Okay. So the social eight actually often looks like a type two. Mm. So I'm going to read this. This comes from Nine Types Co. Um, the type two, the type two help is to help, help or support, which is which adds up a lot with what you with just what you were saying about yeah, your yeah, family yeah. and wh- what motivates you. So I'm going to read this. It comes from Nine Types Co. Same thing. If you want to listen for things you identify with, balk at, question any of that, stories that it might make you think of. Um, social aides are intensely loyal and work to build connections with others. They surround themselves with people who accept them as they are, and they aim to support, help, and nurture those people. They equally enjoy social events and heated debates, and they use their power, energy, and outgoing nature to challenge the norm and fight injustice. They prioritize people who are trustworthy and reliable, and they are always fully themselves, allowing others to take or leave them to avoid betrayal later on. That sounds a lot more like me, like a lot more in many, in basically every aspect. Yeah, that I resonate with all of that. I think we might, I think we may have arrived at, uh, at, a, at a, a conclusion here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's funny because when you said the, the equally enjoy like social events and heated debates, I was like, I love debates. Like, <laughs> Like, as you know, I, let's talk about it. Let's pick a topic on right Instagram now. all the time. Yeah. I think about <laughs> the people that want to sit there and come for you about things like fat burners frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just I and even ever since I was a kid, all of the yeah, all of that definitely resonates a lot. Uh, yeah, I think that makes much more sense. So okay, so how does how can now that we've kind of articulated? some more kind of deeper core motivation fear stuff um how do you see that playing out in your like in your day-to-day who you are how you operate like what comes to mind because you're obviously resonating pretty strongly with a lot of that so yeah, yeah. uh maybe like i don't know what are some stories you would feel comfortable sharing or example yeah, yeah. like where do you see that yeah so a lot so i mean it's funny even like what are some things you feel comfortable sharing i and i believe you said you socially uh, it feels comfortable being themselves like they're just like you are who you are like that's as i always say at the beginning of a podcast i'll talk about whatever you want like there's nothing i'm not going to share um i feel like i'm pretty open it's funny like i remember um when i first made my website in 2011 in july of 2011 i made my first website and on the on the front page on like the home page i had a ton of curse words and i was like fucking shit and da 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 and my mom goes uh she's like you know no one's ever gonna want to work with you if you swear and i said mom if someone doesn't want to work with me because i swear then i don't want to fucking work with them and like and i said that like from very early age and like i was 20 or 21 years old and i'm still the same way in, in uh in that sense but i mean 
I do. Well, Jordan, I gotta say, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing over here because. I've, uh, you know what? I don't care for those words. I find them crass and, uh, <laughs> Shut the no. fuck up. <laughs> We've got, I've gotten in, uh, not serious trouble, but I've, I have definitely gotten in trouble recently for saying the fuck word too often. Where, where do you get in trouble at work? So, yeah, yeah. So what, you know, our, we're a weird bird, this, this kindred organization we are here. Uh, yeah. We're trying. We're essentially trying to reinvent the idea of church, mostly for people who like fucking hate church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, you know, and with all the COVID, you know, we started at the worst possible time. It was right before quarantine. So we've we've been doing an online live show where cool. instead of a sermon, we try to do a panel discussion where we have cool. Like I I do all the normal prep. I would because I was you know I was a like a normal pastor for like a church for a while. So all the normal prep for a sermon, but I don't like decide the structure of what I'm going to say. I just like, my goal is to be well-researched and then come into a, a group of people who are decision early on that like, well, let's talk how the people that we are going after talk and like, mm. and they talk however the fuck they want, you know, like yeah. that's the idea. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and 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 despite the fact that we've had, I I would say, pretty strong success, uh, the people who are above me have not quite appreciated that. When I, yeah. I, I, I the, one of them was, I was talking about some something about like Jesus doesn't give a fuck about that or something like that, you know? And they were yeah, like, yeah. we don't, we don't like that. We don't like Jesus <laughs> in the same sentence. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, whatever, whatever I got to do to keep this thing running. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm the same way. So I, that, that really, uh, that stuck out to me a lot in terms of, um, I, I just, I guess I am who I am. I, I do weird stuff. On, like I'll do accents and I'll, I'll speak in weird voices all the time. And so, yeah, I, I think that that very much is like that resonates with just being, I am who I am no matter what. Yeah, I, again, I because be, because my the thing that I countertype as is you. I really resonate with a, the only thing I the, the the subtype thing I think is the key to the difference between us. Um, so like because we do a lot of events and and we host a lot of events at our house. And every time I'm in a party or a social situation, I find myself locking in with one person. I mean, not all the, not for the whole time, but while I'm talking to that person, they're, they're the person I'm talking to. Yeah. 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 Um, and, th sense. and like, I think that's the difference between a social and an intimate. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 I've literally said to people who have interrupted me I mean, and like innocently interrupted, they're like, Oh, Hey, and then, you know, tap me on the shoulder. Hey, I need to ask you something real quick. And I'll literally be like, I need two more minutes to finish up this conversation with this person. Like I'm, yeah. like, I'm not going to divert my attention where I think social subtypes are, te they tend to be more like, yeah, man, we're all in the party together. And they, and they, they can <laughs> easily, easily incorporate lots of different conversations all at the same time with lots of different people. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's the main difference between you and me, because I really yeah. identify with a lot of the stuff you're saying. Yeah, that, that even, makes total sense. Even to the anxiety of like, uh, so like up until this point in my life, 
this is the first time in my life where I feel like I've, I, I don't really have, I mean, I've, I've always got goals, but I don't have like the goals that I thought my life was going to be about. Mm. You know, my, I thought I, I, from a very early age was like, what I want my life to be about is actually helping people emotionally and spiritually in ways that really matter and aren't just like fluff and pretend. Yeah. And, and and I've always been like the, you know, I, I think there's something to this spirituality thing, but I'm not sure the church structure is the right way to do it. And I've always wanted to be like doing something that involved spirituality and specifically because I'm very familiar with the Christ story, specifically that, but also was like real and authentic. And, and I've just spent my whole life working towards that. And all of a sudden I'm here. And we have a wonderful house. My my wife and I, we have a wonderful house. We have plenty of resources. Um, you know, things are going well, broadly speaking. And now I find myself constantly worried about like what's going to come, mm. like what's going to take all that away, and, yeah. and what's going to make. What are we going to have to sacrifice? What's going to like? There's a storm a coming or something like that. Yeah. So I I really I even identify with the anxiety of like losing everything I've worked for. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And part of me wonders if that's just something that you do when you get older. But yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think my specific anxiety has more to do with something's going to happen that prevents me from being able to be myself. Mm. Rather than where yours, I think, is more about it will affect my ability to provide for my loved ones and help. Correct. And, and there's, Correct. I can hear a lot of, I, I want to be myself while I do that. But there's just slightly, just slightly different priorities when you have to like categorize type, like the first priority, the second priority, like, I think are just slightly different. And I think that's, this is back to the personality stuff of Enneagram. Like once we get the motivation and the fear right, then we can really, uh, I think accurately kind of get into people's like what, what the personality type is. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, as you're saying that, it's a good distinction. I I don't worry about not being able to be myself ever. I never worry about that. Um, I, I, yeah, I've, I, that's like not never a worry. It's definitely a worry about it's uh it's the providing, not being able to make sure that they're able yeah. to live uh, in the way that that. It, it's funny. It's not even that a way in a way to live that they think they need to live. It's like I need to make sure that they're able to live in the way that I think is like that's mm-hmm. like the minimum standard. Yeah, and that's that that power, that control, that wanting to be an ample provider, kind of take yeah. care of the people you love. Motivation. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. How I have a question. How does that if if you have this motivation to like you know you have these standards this that and the other how do you think that plays out in your like training career like with your clients that you work with with the business that you have built like what has that looked like for you? Um, in terms of in terms of uh, setting the standards. Yeah, well, just like the people that you work with day to day, like as far as your goals for what you're doing and how you want to help people, like how do you see that play out in your platform? That's a good question. Let me see. Um, you know, I think it was a, a, I had a difficult time with it early in my career because early in my career, I was competitive powerlifting and that's all I thought about and it's all that I wanted to do. And I think that I, I just put my goals 
onto other people. I sort of said, okay, well, this is what I want to do. I want to get as strong as humanly possible. So I'm going to program for everyone else that I work with in a similar way that I program for myself. And it took a lot of learning and, and being able to say, okay, well, the, their goals are not my goals and my goals are not their goals. And it took a lot of learning. And now it's at a point where it's not an issue, but I think there, there was friction early on in me being able to realize, okay, well, like not everybody wants to be as strong as possible and not everybody cares about getting a huge deadlift. Like this person might just care about being able to play with their kids and that person might care about running a 5K and I have to be okay with saying, okay, just because like not everybody needs to deadlift, not everybody needs to do this. And that was definitely a, a point of friction and almost like an internal point of contention that I struggled with that through learning and, and maturation, I I've, think I've gotten very good at, but it was definitely a difficult spot early on. That's another thing that, um, I mean, it sounds like you've already done a lot of work on it, uh, but that's another thing that Enneagram is really good for. Like when it reveals those subconscious motivations that we're kind of unaware of, it can reveal those pinching spots where we're finding like, I don't understand why doesn't everyone want to deadlift as much as they can possibly, you know, like, right, 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 and yeah. like, well, if, if, if you have the knowledge that you are a social type eight counter type, you can start to understand like, oh, one of the, one of the pitfalls of, of this particular ca category of human being is we tend to make our goals, everyone else's goals and not, and there's, there's something about that. Like, mm -hmm. and, and in fact, I like, I've been, so you talk about, um, you know, debating and, and being willing to discuss difficult topics and all that. Like, that's one of the things that I've been actively working on because something, when I, when I find myself in conversations like that, something at some point goes awry and like mm -hmm. the Enneagram is helpful for understanding like where that is, why that is, what's going on. And that's like, that's the latest thing that I've been working on with myself. And so it's, it's really great to hear like, you know, too many people can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they just can't be bothered. They're just like, I'm just going to do whatever and whatever <laughs> I want. And like, it's nice to hear somebody who's going like, no, I, I found some conflict here. And I actually looked in, inside and did some internal work to figure out what was going on and made some changes in my own like understanding yeah. of, of how people react. A hundred percent. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so another factor of Enneagram is, uh, or at least the theory behind it is, uh, that um, uh, the way I describe it, nobody gets out of childhood clean. Like we all have something, some disappointment or some grief or some abuse or some, you know, whatever, some whatever vocabulary works best for you. And the, the theory behind Enneagram is that when those things happen in childhood, we develop coping mechanisms to survive whatever's going on emotionally or literally. Um, and then those coping mechanisms that tend to follow us into adulthood are ultimately kind of what shapes what type we are. Um, so after hearing everything about type eight and, and especially a counter type eight, a social type eight, uh, can you, do you, does anything come up, uh, for you in like long time ago, 
formative childhood kind of memories where you start to go like I think that's I re- this was the first time I remember feeling I mean you already kind of hinted at the like justice stuff with your brother and the kids on the mm-hmm. playground that kind of stuff um, wh- what comes up for you in that area could could uh, you do me a favor and just read it one more time uh, and that way I'll, I'll, I'm sure other memories will crop up yeah. Uh, read the read the whole thing again. Yeah. Or, or just yeah. Like the, yeah. Yeah. Just so I can sort of jog my memory because I, I already. Yeah. 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 Let me pull it back up. Uh, let me do that. Um. Okay. Come on. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Um. Intensely loyal and work to build connections with others. They surround themselves with people who accept them as they are. They aim to support, help, and nurture those people. They enjoy social events and heated debates, and they use their power, energy, and outgoing nature to challenge the norm and fight injustice. They prioritize people who are trustworthy and reliable, and they are always fully themselves, allowing others to take them or leave them to avoid betrayal. Mm, yeah, okay. Thank you for rereading that. Yeah, no that worries. A bunch, of, a bunch of different memories cropping up. Um, so <laughs> the debate one gets me every time. I just, I remember being in college and... Uh, and like I got in big trouble because the teachers would be presenting information on nutrition that was inaccurate and very old and outdated. And I'd just be there being like, well, actually, you know, this study says this and da, 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 da. And I got and actually, I was sent to the dean's office a lot for disrupting class. It actually worked out really well because once I graduated and then uh, I kept in good in touch with the dean and they actually brought me back to the school and apologized because they were like, we should have been more receptive to what you were saying. Um, but hey, that's a big win. Yeah, that was a big win. Uh, I think I've had I think I've had dreams like that. Where I'm like, oh, <laughs> finally, they'll call uh, me back and know that I was right all along. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think to be fair, it's probably not a good look, but I don't think they would have done it if I didn't have the, the social media influence that I have. Like, if yeah, I just, like if I didn't have the social media influence, they probably never would have called me back. But um but the other thing that I think about, it was brought up twice in sort of two separate ways, like surrounding yourself with with good people uh, and surrounding yourself with people who uh, are loyal and who uh, um, I, I took it as surrounding yourself like in a good environment. And I take that to an extreme uh, mm-hmm. and I always have. Um, I've never had a problem cutting people out of my life uh, if they were not if they were not a positive influence. Uh, I don't have a relationship with my dad at all. I haven't spoken. We haven't spoken in like 10 years um, for, for a number of reasons, but he was not a good impact on my life or my family's life. Um, and Typically type eights are very good at setting boundaries. Yeah, I, I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I actually did a whole Instagram story on that, like within a month and people liked it a lot. I have no issue saying like, you're like, completely cutting people out. Um, I think that's one of those things that, so like, uh, if I, mean, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this. Um, I have things that I'm naturally very, very good at, uh, but they don't feel that way to me. Mm. And they actually can lead to frustration because I'm, I didn't have, I didn't work on them. I didn't decide to be good at them. I just, kind of was naturally good at them. And so yeah, I, pres- yeah. I presume that everyone else has that same level of proficiency and yeah. whatever that is. And yeah. then I get frustrated when they can't 
what what's uh, you know um and there's something about uh, specifically with type eights that are incredibly good at setting very healthy boundaries for themselves that and and I don't think any other type of personality, like, I don't think any, like you're in the minority with that superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, like, I don't, I, how do you feel about that? Are you aware of that? Is that something that strikes you as like, Oh, I didn't know that. Or is that like, no, I worked on it. No. I mean, my brother and I got in real issues over it because, you know, we, we have the same father um, and he didn't understand how I could, just so swiftly just like remove him from my life uh and we really got in big art and i i couldn't understand how he could allow someone in his life who treated him so poorly so like that uh, it and it still doesn't intuitively make sense to me um but i've grown to understand like that's just like that's how he is so i'm yeah we, don't, we, we have a good relationship now and i'm very blessed and lucky to have that but like we got in real arguments many years ago like i, I was like why why like th- even now you can hear right. like it just yeah like, why like why are you doing well, like, why, the, why the you type eight is called a challenger that's like the <laughs> core you, you know like and um, obviously you're like i can hear a lot of graciousness and and a lot of what you've said uh just throughout this whole you know conversation um, but I, but like, I, again, I identify with the, like, look how, if, if I can win the argument with look, then what are we talking yeah. about? Like, yeah. look. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't need me to tell you what happened. You know what happened. Like yeah. the, all you need to do is just like say no and that's it. Like, that's all you have to do now. So that was, that was definitely a, a big one for sure. Um, but in terms of, you know, what you're naturally good at and sort of not understanding when other, that was another thing that I've, I've had to work on a lot in terms of, uh, my buddy, Mike is very good with, with math and with numbers. When we were having this conversation, I'm terrible with math and numbers. I'm awful, like absolutely awful. I was in special education growing up with it. Uh, I just, I'm not good at it at all. And, and Mike always laughs because for him, it's just like, it just makes sense. He's like, I don't know, numbers, they make sense. It just, it fits into place and like, that's how it should be and da 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 um, For me, I don't know if you ever heard of the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale mm-hmm. Carnegie. Um, yep. But when I was 18, my buddy was like, this is a really good book, you should read this. And I was like, cool. And I was reading it and I remember, I vi- I'll never forget this, I was living in Israel and I was reading the book and I was like, I do all of this. I was like, this, none of this is, is new. Like this is, I do all of this. And my buddy Mike read that book and he was like, this is amazing. Like I didn't know any of this stuff. And look at all this secret knowledge. (laughs) He's like for math and numbers, it makes sense. And for you, it makes no sense for you. This like how to interact with people makes all like, it's just intuitive. But Mm -hmm. for Mike, he's like, I don't know if that's like, is that rude? Like, did I say something I shouldn't have? Like, like it's interesting how what is completely innate for someone is is the absolute opposite for someone else. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. God loves wondrous variety. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um. What was it like growing up in Israel? Uh, so actually, I didn't grow up in Israel. Actually, I grew up in Boston. Um, okay. I grew up in I grew up in Boston, and I moved to Israel. Uh, I, the first time I went when I was sixteen for like fourteen days. Is it like a, family roots? 
Uh, no. So the, I went with my synagogue for like a, a youth trip when I was 16 and I fell in love with it. I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and I was not good in school and I didn't really want to go to college, especially not right away. So uh, I was like, my rabbi could tell how much I loved Israel. And he was like, if you want, like there are gap year programs where you can go and spend a year there. And we didn't have much money at all growing up. And I was like, that'd be great, but I don't have the money. And my rabbi, uh, like he funded my year trip, like the entire year he funded for me to go, paid for food, paid for housing, all of it, just crazy. Um, so I went there for a year and I was about to join the Israeli defense forces, but my mom said, she'll fucking kill me if I do. Really? Uh, (laughs) That's intriguing. And, uh, and so I came back. You like fell in love. I I fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. It was like the most amazing place in the world. And so I came back, went to school over the summers when I was at school, I would go back to Israel and I was a tour guide. Uh, and I would take like I, one one of the best trips that I took. Sixteen year olds uh, went to Prague, and then we went to Poland, and went to the you know the Nazi concentration camps and all that stuff. Then brought them to Israel and did a tour through Israel. Um, and then after college, I had my online business, so I literally was like, you know, what? I can do it from anywhere as long as I have Wi-Fi. So I moved back to Israel for several years. Um, and then I just thought I was going to, you know, I thought I was going to find a wife there and all that, but I ended up getting a a really great opportunity in New York city. So I moved from Tel Aviv to New York. I was in New York for a few years, for five years. And my wife and I started dating there. And, and then she actually, I took her there for her birthday a little over two years ago. And, uh, and she actually converted to Judaism and now she wants to, to move to Israel. So that might be on the horizon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you guys are in Dallas now, right? Yeah, we love we. That's the biggest thing is we love Dallas a lot. Dallas I was born amazing. in Dallas. We, we didn't. Expect Dallas is to. my home city. I my, love it. Uh, nice. my brother <laughs> lives in Dallas. My brother, my sister-in-law, my nephew and niece. So I'm out in Dallas like four or five times a year. It's just the best. Oh, amazing! Yeah, Let me know when you're so we'll, go, we'll, grab, we'll grab drinks or something. Well, you can come over for dinner. I mean, I'm literally going to be there this weekend, so that sounds amazing. I will definitely take you up on that one of these times. This this weekend, we're going to be in Boston. My mom is hosting a party for our wedding, like because we didn't we had we eloped. So she's like, "You can elope, but you have to come and celebrate <laughs> with me after." So we're going to go That's to Boston. This but but I mean it. Reach out whenever you're here. More than okay. happy to come over, and that would be Heck wonderful. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love that. So, but we we honestly didn't expect to love Dallas so much. Um, but it's great. So eventually we, we would like to at least spend a good portion of the year in Israel. That's so cool. Have, yeah, you, have you ever been? No. It's no. on my bucket list. Gotta go. You, you, you're not going to want to leave. <laughs> you're not, it's amazing. Um, I've, I've heard good things. We actually, because as an ordained pastor, there's all kinds of opportunities to do it. I've just never like set aside time to yeah. like... Like, but there's a similar to what you're talking about with your rabbi and your synagogue. Like there's, there are like, there's like funding, like they want, although I'm not that young anymore. I should have gone when I was in my twenties, but like they want young people to like, then they're willing to pay to have young people go like experience that experience. You know, they are It's like, yeah, the, it, it, it's like it's, the fertile crescent, you know, it's like, it's like the cradle of creation, you know, it's arguably one of the most the, like the biggest tourist destination in the world just because it's like the the religious hub of the world the abrahamic faith where everything intersects like 
Yeah, like I've been, uh, I spent, I lived in Jerusalem for almost half of a year and I like went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was buried and like went to Nazareth and like, it's crazy like, cause I, I love, I, I went to this camp once, uh, my rabbi sent me to this, it's called Camp Interfaith where Christians, Muslims and Jews go for two weeks and we were 16 years old and you just learn about each other's religions and it was very interesting how similar these religions are like they're way more similar they're, than they are different. people of the book is what they call them yeah we're all we're all it, people of the book it's like it comes back to torah yeah you know? yeah like, exactly right and uh it is one of, that was one of my favorite parts about living there is because when you look on the media all you see about that area of the world is how terrible it is and how dangerous and how much fighting there is but it's like i i've never felt unsafe there not once I've lived in the same buildings as Palestinians and as Muslims and as Christians and like, like same buildings, we would have dinners together. But like, I never saw anything unsafe ever. I felt way more unsafe in New York than I ever felt in, in Israel. <laughs> and I think that was one of the best parts about living there was like, I get calls for like from friends being like, oh my God, I'm watching the news and like there are bombs. I'm like, really? Cause I'm here and I don't fucking see anything. It's like, yeah. it's fine. It's, I think it was one of the best parts about living there is just like, uh, you almost feel like you're overcoming this massive uh, it, it, talking about fairness and all that. It's just like being part of daily life there and the culture there almost is like a, a daily act of overcoming injustice every day just by mm -hmm. living there in peace is like a daily act of overcoming this misconception of an entire group of people. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is something there's something about um... So my my I I have lived in the states my entire life. I've only ever visited, and even then, it's been like I've been to Mexico, and I've been to like yeah. Jamaica, you know, like nothing <laughs> significant, you know. Uh, my wife lived in Taiwan for a year. Wow. Um, she you know she grew up in Kansas, and uh, and then lived in Taiwan for a year, kind of randomly actually. Uh, and then, but now, and a lot of her family, and now we have you know my niece and nephew are in hong kong and taiwan and that's awesome and there's something about well it's awesome but also it's scary sometimes especially <laughs> yeah. with all the shit that's going on with hong kong yeah, um, yeah but the the all of that to say like one of the things that i really loved about her was this kind of like global perspective on things and one of the reasons she gets along with me so well is because i i like you do not shy away from debate and like uh, there's something, and maybe it's, I don't know, there's something about, maybe it's a white America thing, I don't know, but there's something about the, like, every time I've had the interaction with um, people who have lived abroad or, or are from literally, you know, other countries uh, that are in the States that I've had the chance to talk to, they seem more comfortable with disagreement. Mm, yeah. it's, it's not a, it's not a, we disagree, I hate you. It's uh, like, let's get loud and like, yeah. and then hug, you know, like yeah. there's something about that. There's something like, about American culture that is very um, beat around the bush. And yeah, it's and like it, pu maybe puritanical, maybe Midwestern-y. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, even we see it in, in, in work culture and like all like the what people are and are not allowed to say nowadays because it's going to offend somebody. It's like if you live in other parts of the world. They don't give a fuck if they offend you. They're like, 
it's yeah. they're, and they're not, they understand they're not they're not saying something like it's not an ad hominem attack they're not saying something just to hurt your feelings but they're not gonna like freak out if like you oh you you use the wrong word da, da, da. it's like all right listen this it's is this really worth you freaking out about and getting upset i'm going to be very direct with you and say what i think and i might even raise my voice but it doesn't mean that we can't be friends. It doesn't mean that like this, yeah. this is a blown out of proportion. Uh, it, I'll, I'll never forget when I, in Israel, when I, when I was 16, I stayed with a host family who I was literally the best man at their daughter's wedding a few years ago. Uh, I was 16 when I met them and I'm like, they're, they're literally my family now. And the father who I actually, he, I call him dad now. He's like my, he's literally like my dad. He, I'll never forget him and, and his son, who's like my brother at this point, when I went for the first night, we were at dinner and they were speaking Hebrew. I didn't understand Hebrew at the time. And they were yelling at each other. They were gesticulating wildly and screaming. And like, and in my mind, I'm like, they must be having a terrible argument. I was like sitting at the table, 16 years old, like, what is going on? And I was like, is everything okay? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we're just talking about soccer. I was like, right. oh, that was it? Like, that was a soccer? I thought it was like a heated political issue or like, like gun control or something. Stuff. Yeah, like crazy. <laughs> it's just like, that's how they are. And they say whatever. And it's funny because when I, whenever I go back to Israel, the first couple of weeks are, are difficult for me coming from, from this culture because they'll just be like, uh, they'll be like, no, oh, that shirt doesn't look good on you. And I'll be like, oh, thanks. Like, I appreciate that. It's like, they'll just, that doesn't look good on you. No, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Like, no, I don't think it's like, whatever it is on their mind, they just say it. Whereas in America, it's very much, we beat around the bush. Like even you'll lie just to appease somebody. It's like, in America, you're like oh no, you show, oh, you look great. You look great in that. Definitely. Even in your head, you're like, you probably shouldn't wear that. Right. It's like for whatever, like arguments and discussions in, especially in the Middle East. And I've been, I've been to Hong Kong. I've been to Europe. I've been all over. I've noticed that there's definitely a culture in America that is beat around the bush because you don't want to hurt feelings. And I actually think trying to protect someone's feelings at the expense of the truth does more harm than good. Oh, boy. You just said it. Oh, boy. I, I completely agree. In fact, we have these core axioms that we talk about, and one of them is um, own responsibility for your feelings. Mm. Like, I and that. I think... I think we're losing ground in that area. Like, yeah, yeah, feel how you feel, but take responsibility for the fact yeah. that you feel that way. Not It's not somebody else making you feel that way. Yeah. It's right. you and feel I, that way. And I always give the caveat, like, if somebody's just, like, in your face yelling, like, you're a filthy piece of shit, like, yeah, okay, course. obviously, they own some responsibility for being mean. You know, like, it's hard to it's hard to not feel bad when somebody's yelling at you about how bad you are. Um, but like in just normal, like, yeah, I don't think it works that way. In my opinion, I think it's this. And if you're upset by that, well then, you know, by all means feel upset, but that's your problem. <laughs> that's just not... because you're offended doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Right. You know, and you know, so I would like, there's a different, you know, um, hot topic is like LGBTQ. There's a difference between somebody being like, you're a trans piece of, you know, like oh, something yes. horrible that I'm not willing to say. Like. That's like, eh, that's hate speech. Get get out of here. We don't. You're not invited to the party. Get out. Like you can't be in my house. But there's well, another. Yeah, that's, that's being a bigot, right? Yeah, like, there's right. Yeah, between, that's like, hate. Someone being a bigot and, yeah. and someone like uh, just voicing an opinion that they're allowed to have. Right, and then yeah, someone else just expressing like, I or or what the other thing I've I've heard 
And and here's the other thing too, because we have a lot of LGBTQ people. I've never actually heard one of them in our congregation do anything like this. It's always somebody else. Correct. It's That's always somebody who's defending them on their behalf, quote unquote. But That's something exactly along the lines that. of like if somebody's con- expressing confusion, like I, I gen, I, listen, I want to be supportive, but I don't understand X, Y, Z. Then there's something about like, hey man, if you're upset that they don't understand, that's your you like, like that was an innocent thing to say. Yes, <laughs> like, that's exactly and we need, right. We need to like learn how to disagree better, you know? Like, yeah, I don't even, you know, it's funny. This goes like into like the debate side. I don't like the term hate speech. And I, I've actually gotten in some arguments with people about this because what, what is, how do we define hate speech, right? How, how do we, and I know in Canada now, like, well, you're getting, you're getting into trying to, to mind read, like what, what people's motivations are, right? You know? Like, what is it? And it's like, there's, there's a, it's sort of like the whole microaggression thing. It's like, well, that's a microaggression people. I'm like, what's my, like, well, if you ask someone where they're from, I'm like, I can't ask someone where they're fucking from. Without, yeah, that's, like, that's are rough. You kidding? That's not, like, that's not a, I'm curious. That's like an, op- that's an opening line. I don't know what, what <laughs> else to do. Like, am I, not exactly. asked, am I not allowed to ask them what they do for a living also? Ex- ex- <laughs> that, many people, be, oh no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to ask. It's, it blows my mind. So yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, and it, um, it's, it does, it does the opposite. It has the opposite effect. The more people look to be offended and be upset about things, the less seriously people actually take the really serious things. Yeah, yeah, right. I I agree. I've I've seen very similar trends going on in the states. Mm, man. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, we are coming up on time, and I did have a question before. You know, we kind of wrap yeah, up. Yeah. I was I was wondering if you could just talk, Jordan, a little bit about what you do and how you started your platform and what you're passionate about, because I feel like I know a lot about you even though I don't know you, but I know a lot about you and I've had a lot of personal success because of your inner circle program. So I want others to hear about it as well. Also, if you could include as many details about how to gain a following and, and have commercial success also. that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so listen, I, I consider myself a personal trainer. That's, that's what I do. A personal trainer. I'm very passionate about strength training and nutrition. Um, in terms of, of, of building an audience, I'll say this. I started my, my online business in July of 2011. So I've been doing online stuff for over 10 years. And for the vast majority of that time, the only people who actually read my content or saw my work were my mom and myself. Um, that was it. Like my mom. Like, I you know, identify. Like, that was it. Like for, for the most of the time, it was like the only person reading my articles was my mom. Um, and it's... Uh, I love what I do. Like I, I love putting out content. I love helping people. And I think um, one of the things I talk about a lot in 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 my content, specifically in terms of weight loss, you'll see where I'm going with this in a second, is not to focus too much on the number, on the scale. Because if you focus so much on the number on the scale, then that's going to be the end all be all and you're inevitably going to be disappointed and you're inevitably going to think it's not working because it's not going as quickly as you want and sometimes it might even go in the opposite direction and if that's your sole focus like because this then then when the scale spikes up which is normal you're going to think you're failing so then you just quit um so i say listen i'm not going to say the number doesn't matter but it can't be your sole focus and it, it can't be how you base your success 
and it's, yep. it's just another tool. And when you're building an audience, it's the exact same thing. I see personal trainers who know that about the scale. They say you shouldn't focus on the number so much. Like it's not as big of a deal as you think it is. But then when they're when they're uh, they lose it two followers, they're like, oh, what the fuck? It's not working. Or like when they're like they're focusing on the scale. Yeah, like when they're focusing their when their numbers aren't going up and they're not making as much money as they think they should be making. It's like they're just focusing on the number. They're focusing on the numbers instead of focusing on what they're doing. In fitness, I talk about making process oriented goals about like say like okay, so instead of just saying you want to lose weight, how about you say okay, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week and I'm going to track my calories and be 80% consistent with my calories over the next six months. It's like that's a process oriented goal, not a I want to lose 10 pound goal. Um, yeah. So same thing with, with a business, right? It's the businesses. Can I can, just, I, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you a little bit. Uh, I apologize, but there, there is something so there's a lot of parody with what you just said with spirituality. Mm. Like, uh, like spirituality is practice. It's not, it's it, like, it will yield results eventually, but like, but it's practice. And like, so like, so as a, just as a small example, I, I've been, I've been having anxiety ever since we moved into this house, which was like three years ago. And that was before COVID, you know, when COVID didn't help quarantine did not help my anxiety. Right. Um, but I started a practice of every morning. I, you know, after I like wake up and pee and brush my teeth and stuff, uh, I let the dog out and I walk outside and I sit on my back porch and I just, I don't do anything. I don't use my phone. I don't. Like, I don't spend any noise or, or, or like, I just spend some time in silence. And so, you know, sometimes it's an active prayer. Sometimes I'll actually pull out scripture and, like, read something and focus on something. But sometimes I'll just look into the distance and, like, like yeah. focus on, like, uh, oh, like, this is a bigger world than I think it is from living inside my house, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And just and, and like it, it's not like I'm blowing my mind most of the time, like most of the time it's nothing. Most of the time it's just like this is a good practice to have. And then yeah. occasionally like it yields results and I have like an epiphany and something happens, you know, but it's it's the practice. The, the goal is not the epiphany. The goal is the practice. Yeah. That's- Consistency based goals. Like goals, like I did. So I've been on a weight loss journey for 16 months now. I hit my goal weight like a month ago. Oh, congrats. Uh, That's huge. Thanks. Yeah. I lost 50 pounds over the course wow, of 16 months. Wow. Wow. Months. Huge congrats. Thank you. Um, but I did Weight Watchers for probably nine or 10 of them. And it was great in the beginning because I needed that kind of structure. But yeah, then yeah. after following your program and like starting to shift into, okay, well, let's talk about Consistency. I go to the boxing gym four times a week. How can I start to incorporate strength training into that? Yeah. How can I start to like actually focus on what it is that I'm doing and not just what I want that number to be? It wasn't until I made that shift. And you talk about it all the time with people talking about like plateauing and how you you guys can't see the air quotes I'm doing, but I'm air quoting around the word plateauing. And like <laughs> that, that was me from March to August. I like didn't really move at all. And it wasn't until I shifted my mindset of, okay, well, let's get off of the, this is what the number goal is. This is where I need to be at to the, okay, this is, this is how I want to perform in the gym. This is how I want my nutrition and my calories to be. This is what time I'm going to go to bed. 
I want to tie my shoes shift. without having to take a deep breath before I lean down. Right. <laughs> it wasn't until I made that shift that I hit my goal. And I do think that that's true in a, a lot of areas of life too, but especially in fitness. Like, I think it's so overlooked, this idea of let's be as consistent as possible. Let's focus on that. And also like, give yourself grace when you fuck up because you're going to fuck up and you can't ruin all your progress just for taking a night off and having a margarita or whatever, like get or, or perhaps a Philly cheesesteak literally a night ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said it perfectly. I, I completely agree. Um, it's interesting in terms of the, the spirituality aspect of it. Um, Morgan Freeman, uh, has this incredible the voice of God from this amazing, amazing movie where basically this, this woman is saying she like, she doesn't understand like why God isn't answering her prayers and Morgan Freeman, I, I've posted on my story a number of times. I just love this clip. Basically he's like, listen, if, if you wanted to, if you asked God for a closer relationship with your family, do you think God all of a sudden just like, like zaps you with good feelings and makes your family close or does, does God give you an opportunity to show like that you actually want to be closer with your family. Like if you want to to uh, ha- like have more self-confidence, do you think God just zaps you with more self-confidence or does God give you an opportunity to to become more confident? Um, and I, I think that it was a great it's a great example of like it's it's everyone wants the goal without having to go through the process, but they right. don't understand that it's actually the process that allows you to get to the goal. Yeah. And it's the process and the ability to like do the thing that makes the goal worth completing. You know, that that's what that's what gives you a story to then share with other people. And one of my big things personally is your story matters. It has inherent value. And if you aren't sharing it, what the fuck are you doing with it? <laughs> and you can't share that. it if you don't go through the highs, lows, in-betweens of whatever your goal process life looks like. Yeah, there, there was this old, uh, when I was coming up in church, this phrase that, like, don't pray for patience, because all God's going to do is give you opportunities to learn patience. And I remember yeah. as a teenager being like, well, what the hell kind of theology is that? Like, <laughs> like do you not trust God? Like, like, what, like, pray for patience. If that's what you want, pray for patience. And then trust how patience comes. Like, like yes. be present for what God is, is giving you in your prayer for patience. Love that. I love that. I, uh, I, I do have, I have another podcast I got to hop on, but I, I want to say thank you both so much. This has been a, a wonderful conversation. And I also, can we uh, get a slight cheers from you? We always end with a cheers. What would you like yeah, to cheers. toast to? Cheers. Well, cheers to, uh, well, cheers to this when I mean it, when I say, when you're in Dallas, please reach out. Hell yeah. I'd love to have you over for dinner. Like, that would be amazing. Oh, hell yeah. I, I yeah, want you, know, you made her day. You're literally one of my personal heroes. I'm going to go home and cry. Well, I am home. I'm going to cry about this after, but I will absolutely send you an email next time I'm in town. Good. Please, please do. It, this was a pleasure. You're both. I'll say cheers to, to you, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you for being me. here. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, and especially thank you for all the work you're doing to improve people's lives. Like, it, yeah. it really matters. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.